Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Happy Easter weekend to you. Stock markets were closed yesterday for uh, Good Friday. So it was a quiet day. A little gloomy outside today, too. Is that what's got you down, Dan? No, no. I think I've got a little springtime springtime i don't want to say allergies because i think i've been over allergies for about 10 or 15 years but i've got a little spring call it a spring fever <laughs> is that is that right <laughs> no, i don't have a fever i, I just i feel like i'm all nose right now is that what spring fever is allergies uh, i don't know it feels like it got me sense. there too i don't know seems like it makes sense Maybe I should Google that. What yeah, look, look that fever? up for us, would you? I'm on it. I bet my Google is faster than yours. <laughs> I'm sure it probably is. Oh, boy. It's um, physical and psychological symptoms associated with the arrival of spring. Maybe you have that. Maybe Are that's you what not I, psychologically I ready? <laughs> Maybe it's because it's baseball season? I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you got a cold. <laughs> I've had allergies, but I'm I'm taking an over the county over the counter allergy pill that has me feeling pretty good. Oh, that's good. Clear sinuses. Notice I don't have that like choked off hay fever sound I usually have on our yeah. April episodes. Yeah, usually you're pretty miserable around. This <laughs> yeah, time. May is no good either. Um, I was hoping that this year, on account of the, uh, you know how things all started blooming early. Yeah. It was kind of weird how mm -hmm. everything happened. I'm hoping that it maybe it happened at like a slower pace so there's not as much pollen saturation. Maybe this is going to be a good allergy year. If you if if anybody has like really bad seasonal allergies, <laughs> they could totally appreciate what I'm saying cuz it is miserable. Like a 6 weeks of just misery. Uh, I, there's like an upside to it though. I'm I'm seeing one that says the term applied to several sets of physical and psychological symptoms associated with the rival spring. In general, it refers to an increase in energy, vitality, and particularly sexual appetite. An huh. increase in those things? An increase. <laughs> the spring fever. Yeah. You know. that, that, like, that seems, that's <laughs> not what know. I was expecting. But then there's like those symptoms, and that's kind of what your symptoms are. I don't. <laughs> so. Interesting. Fever sounds like such a bad thing. Yeah, I, I do feel like fever has a negative connotation. Huh. Yeah. Oh, well. Learn something new. Who to thunk it? That's Wikipedia. There you go. That's, yeah. Yeah. Who to thunk? Hey, so what do you want to talk about today, Dan? <laughs> I don't know. You've got all your notes. All I've got a lot out. of stuff. It was a newsy kind of week. It was pretty newsy, wasn't yeah. it? I, I tried to bring a couple of things to talk about, too, that weren't quite so newsy, but just still housing related. Oh. So there's that'd be a fair amount. I feel like it's going to be a good show. Non-newsy housing related stories? Well, I mean, not newsy so much in terms <laughs> of the 
like actual numbers and headlines, but just, you know, some things that we can talk about. Cool. You know what really caught me off guard this week, too? And it shouldn't have, but just kind of did. Been watching this week as bank profits have come out, and we're starting to learn a little bit about the financials and about um, how these different companies are hanging on. And remember we had um, Craig Darnell came on the show. He's been on a few times, but last time he was on, you were here, right? I was not, no. Oh, okay. So I ended up in this conversation with him, and I I was kind of humbled by him because um, I was saying I just – there's some part of me in terms of like the stock market and financials and what to expect. I feel like, you know, we did the TARP program and the bailout and all this stuff to make money move and go and do all this great stuff. And we got interest rates down so crazy low. And then we saw the return of some of the financial companies. Like you remember City Stock and Bank of America. And it was kind of like any bank stock you look at was pretty stinky. And if you had the guts to buy it, you could make some real money. I mean, some of those were at a couple bucks that are now back to the $15, $18 range. 50 Some of them, yeah, some of them are definitely that high. So I I was like looking at this and I was thinking, man, they had this like real shot in the arm of all this money and the money's drying up and also housing fever is kind of worn off that everybody refi because it's a 3% thing. And so I just started thinking, you know, well, you know how we heard everybody use the double dip stuff and you wonder if the recovery has the strength to hang on and all this like naysayer talk. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, man, you know, it seems like volumes are down so low that a lot of these banks that were making so much money and like sort of revived their stock values and actually had some growth in employment and things for a couple of years, the volume now is down so low that when this all catches back up again, are we going to begin to see bank earnings come out lower, setting aside less reserves, but then additionally laying people off? And is that cleansing going to drop bank stocks enough to make people wonder if the financial market is okay? I, I just, it's been in the back of my mind. And then this week I saw, um, and I'm sure you saw this too. What was, but, what was Craig's take on it? Oh, that's right. So what Craig <laughs> told me was, no, that's not to be worried about. Okay. That the drop in volume is going to be um, met and um, basically overcome by the fact that there are less legacy issues so that a lot of the profits would have been higher if they weren't paying back the money. Um, and then also that they are um, have figured out how to be more profitable per transaction and to remember that not all of these banks' profits are based directly on and the the strength of the financials are not based directly on that of the U.S. market. So I said, okay, even still, you take a company um, like Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase had some numbers come out this week. Um, the origination volume was down twenty seven percent quarter over quarter. So from just fourth quarter to first quarter, they dropped an additional twenty seven percent. Um, year over year compared to last year, a drop of 68% in volume. That, wow. If you stop and think about that just for a minute, think about what that means for a machine like Chase. 
there are billions around here. There's zeros everywhere in the numbers of stuff that these guys do. And they're figuring out now how to manage something that's literally 70% less year over year. And this may not be the new stable bottom either. I mean, if the quarter was somehow less of an impact, you might think second quarter is going to be a little less and maybe third quarter will be neutral. We're talking some steep declines, 70%. That's a number to try to wrap your head around. Imagine if you... And you're talking about mortgage origination. Yeah. And imagine if you owned a company that sold kind of last year at this time, frenzy or not, a thousand units of something. And then this year you packaged up 300 of them. Yeah. You're talking major reworkings of staff, budget, all everything that goes into that. Th those are some crazy volatile numbers. And I just can't help but wonder if we're going to see it bleed through a little bit better. Craig seemed confident that, it, that we're not. Um, but seeing these numbers this week really tripped me out. Um, the... Origination volume was down 27% quarter over quarter, 68% year over year, and application volume was still down 57% year over year um, at JP Morgan. So just kind of wild. I keep looking at that, wondering when we're going to see the the big trouble. Well, I I. I think there's going to be trouble with jobs at those companies. I think you're going to see layoffs. At some point, they can't maintain the staffing if that's where volumes are going to remain. Because I know a lot of the companies have hung on to staff anticipating that that was just a temporary seasonal-type slowdown and that we're going to see volume pick back up. Um, I've shared on the show here the last few weeks about the number of salespeople from these banks that keep coming, knocking on our door, asking for business. Oh, yeah. there's They've got nothing but time right now to go right. out and and knock on doors. And every company that comes in, we, we talk about the industry in general. And it's not limited to just Chase having this problem. The whole industry is down about 60 or 70% um, year over year volume-wise. But a lot of the companies that I've heard from have said, oh, no, we've maintained staffing levels. That's why our service is so excellent right now, because everyone's trying to sell you on service um, rather than rate. Because, you know, doing a third of the units, you have to make a little more per unit to keep that staff employed. Right. So they're not selling rate. They're selling service. But at some point, if the if the volume remains at a third of what they are staffed for, there's got to be layoffs that occur. Yeah. I mean, they're just... going to be fighting for that lesser volume. They they have to start offering a better price. And so here to kind of go one step further too. you get a little bit of a look inside the actual profitability per loan. And in the last quarter, the um, so this is again, we're talking about JP Morgan Chase, which is one of the <coughs> biggest lenders in the nation. Um, this is the gain on sale margin. So for each loan they sell, this shows us what their actual profit is. Um, the margin for this last quarter was 172 basis points. Now, basis points, that's like, I mean, 172 basis points is 1 in... One and three quarters percent. One and three quarters percent. So that means that on a hundred thousand dollar loan, they're making seventeen hundred and fifty bucks. The prior quarter, two hundred and twelve basis points. 
So not only is the volume of loan down pretty dramatically, but you also see um, a, a more about a 20% decline also in the profit per loan over the same period. Well, that's the beginning of the price competition. Right. Which eventually they're going to have to lay off staff to get more aggressive on price. You see the tailspin. So my <laughs> my contention here is that the financial companies are walking a really fine line right now. Um, we are. But at the end of the day, I don't think that their bottom line is going to be hurt so much. They're going to manage based on, you know, what they can sell these loans for. They're going to staff appropriately there. I think their bottom line is still going to remain intact. I, I don't think that that it's going to be some bigger issue for the company I, I think you're going to see them manage it the way they need to to stay profitable yeah well it's really just the jobs outlook that's not so great i think at the banks correct and the other thing too that you got to remember is that these banks they struggle with the larger the scale the harder it is to sort of make the trim tab adjustments that help keep you in the market and we see this all the time. I mean, and this simple fact is is one of the main reasons why a company like ours is um, able to not only exist, but to thrive and um, to be able to offer loans that are at lower rates and lower costs than the big banks typically. They're, they're dealing with the big volume and how you, how you rewire the, the profit margin and manage that to the staff and make sure you keep everything in the black. Whereas, you know, on a smaller scale like this, we can make a decision every day. Um, it's not hard to change company policy. Could you imagine making one and three quarters percent of profit on every loan? That would be insane. <laughs> it, it, yeah, we're not even close. To when that. I read this yesterday, <laughs> I actually stopped and thought about that too. I thought to myself, man, no wonder their rates are so high. And and then you can't, as a business owner, you can't help but wonder, well, am I leaving money on the table then? <laughs> no wonder that. I mean, honestly, because. That's the funny thing is you, you set your interest rates and fee structures and everything based on what you feel is, um, for me, it's a couple fold. Number one, we like to be cheaper than the competition because that's just a good way to get business in the door. But secondly, there comes a point where should you make $5,000 on a single loan or should you make $10,000? And it's like, well, Chase and Bank of America and City and all the those competitor guys, they're making 10000 So am I a fool for making only 5000 which still, by the way, seems like a fair amount of pay for the work that goes into it? So you end up in this, this kind of weird thing. And I think a lot of the big banks, they kind of just price against one another, like just hey, well, we don't, you know, it's almost like it's agreed upon that, hey, we're, we have these fat margins and we need them. Well, they still dominate the market. You know, totally. they're not too concerned about the little shops like ours around the country. They're, they still, you know, all those three or four big banks combined still own three quarters of the mortgage market because that's what people know. Yeah. Well, and it's funny I, I always really enjoy this conversation. Um, and for years I've said, I challenge you to think of an industry where you implement a middleman and the middleman is going to not only make a living at doing it, 
but you're involving the middleman will make your transaction cheaper. Yeah, it's hard to think of that outside of I mortgage. mean, outside of the mortgage world, where does it exist? So first and foremost, I think it's counterintuitive. Logic tells us that the more people that have their hands in a transaction, the the more inflated the price becomes, right? So if my loan's going to end up sold to Wells Fargo anyway, why do I want to go talk to this guy that's, you know, does loans and it's going to end up selling it to Wells Fargo anyhow? What and so then I suppose this is good radio. Why is it that you can sell a Wells Fargo loan for a lower interest rate than Wells Fargo chooses to sell their loans? There's a couple of reasons. They one of the biggest ones is that when we close loans in our name and then sell our closed loans to a bank like Wells Fargo, we have assumed a substantial amount of the risk that they would normally assume. So to them, that's very valuable to not have that risk. So that's part of it. And the other part of it is we just operate at a much lower cost to produce than they do. They're in the, you know, big shopping center, you know, really expensive storefront type of place. And we 10,000 square foot office in the right. heart of downtown on premier real estate. They overstaff, you know, there's all those layers of management in a big organization. Yeah. I, I always chalk it up to that. You know, there, a big part of it is that Wells Fargo has this brand. The fact that you recognize the stagecoach looking thing. And um, I don't know if Wells Fargo has much of a, a catch line type of thing, but um, it's an old institution. Whether or not you agree with some of the, the corporate rules that go on with being one of their clients, you're a pretty big company with a large product offering. Um, their buildings are nice. Their advertising's professional. Everything about them is really great. And if you work there, not only do you receive some competitive pay, but you get great benefits. And then you enjoy working in a beautiful building. Wherever you are at Wells Fargo, you're usually in a pretty sweet outfit. Um, and all of those things are expensive. And so that that is the one of the big things is, they recognize that some people are just going to walk straight into the bank and pay that because that's what they do. And then there are people that are going to go out and seek a better deal. And so they say, why not? Why not let those guys sell our loans for less than we would? They're going to bear the cost to originate it and then some extra risk. So they give a discount to incent you to do that. You know, it kind of reminds me like my grandma sold Tupperware way back in the day. And that's the other thing about brokers that I think the bankers really recognize is that the value of strong referrals of personal relationships and family relationships um, go a really long way in the services industry like this. And I think they recognize that um, companies like ours can gain trust and favor in our personal circles a little bit easier than they may in the bank. And therefore, there's kind of a ticket to be buying that. Yeah, it's an opportunity for them to reach a market maybe that they wouldn't otherwise reach. Yeah. You know, and we develop the relationship. We then, they become a Wells Fargo customer or whoever it is who we sell that loan to. And then they have an opportunity to maybe right. lure them into the other products and, they offer. And also, don't forget that through time, I mean, a $400,000 loan after 30 years of being paid back regularly on time, um, those... Sorry to lose my train of thought. I started reading. Um, 
Wow. Did you lose your train of thought? I totally did, like out out the window completely. Well, anyways, uh, the point is, is that there is this is a unique industry where a middleman can get a customer a better deal than going direct to the source. Um, So we had a caller, which distracted. Thank you, caller, though, for calling in. Um, We appreciate your question. You asked, what is the maximum amount of money that our company can loan? It's like $10 million, I think. Yeah. So, and, and perhaps we could explain this a little bit, too. The um, Different thresholds for different programs? Yeah, there's a lot of different loan programs that exist, and um, there are some true jumbo type of loans that will go as high as $10 million. So, we can we could technically originate a loan probably as high as $10 million. We've never loaned anything even close to that. Um, couple million bucks is like the biggest fancy stuff we ever see around here. It's kind of funny too. In fact, when I talked to Wes and the folks at Patterson, they do some of that real high end real estate, like the two and $3 million stuff where I see them showing real estate to, um, really high up business people and, um, (coughs) or politicians, celebrities. I I'm been privy to a few of these people stomping around and it's funny to me when these people are buying three and five million dollar houses they're not usually borrowing money um in fact the biggest loans that that we see around here with any kind of regularity is probably yeah eight nine hundred thousand dollar million dollar stuff and that'd be for somebody that's usually buying a couple million dollar house and needing you know to borrow less than half i was gonna say the the transactions we see frequently are at that county um agency maximum loan amount of 561 200 right you know that's the maximum that loan amount you can get with a fannie freddie loan a fha loan a va all of those government or conventional loan programs they they cap out in san luis obispo county at 561 200 so that's what we see a lot of around here. Anything over that, you're a you're a jumbo loan, and you know there's a wide array of programs and and options for you there. A lot of a lot of the jumbo loans are while there are some fixed rates, a lot of them are adjustables, and you know kind of that. That's how jumbo loans have traditionally been. They're they're generally an adjustable rate loan. Yeah, because they're not backed by Fannie or Freddie, they're a bank product, and those generally are some sort of adjustable rate loan in nature. That being said, there are a few banks now that are making long-term fixed rate loans in the over a million dollar level. Um, So interestingly enough, I mean, there's not a lot of context to that call, but every week I get a couple of phone calls that um, I always kind of get a kick out of. Um, this week somebody called to say they needed to borrow, um, uh, basically like a paycheck loan. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's unfortunately it's just residential, like fixed, you know, secured debt. And, um, I have people that call frequently wanting to buy, um, cars uh-huh. and wanting to do car loans and stuff. So that, that always interests me a little bit how people must just crack open the phone book and start looking for something with lending in the name. Um, so yeah, in the event that that caller, it wasn't clear, um, the loans that we arrange are for real estate only. Um, and 
pretty much local. I mean, we're licensed to do loans in the entire state of California, but the majority of our loans are right here in Slow County. We're also now licensed to do loans in Colorado. I heard that. Yeah. yeah we do have a loan agent in Colorado. With a yeah, and there's a website and everything. That's fancy. Yeah. Maybe now we should go visit Colorado on the on a tax write-off. <laughs> right? Since, <laughs> since we have an office there. <laughs> hey, it's just about ten thirty, which means we're gonna go ahead and, and take some time to do the first commercial break here. We'd love to hear from you guys if you want to call in and ask a question. Um, or share a comment, you can. The number is 543-8830. We're going to do a quick break. We'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Blending, Central Coast Blending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. You listen to Mortgage Matters. It's 1032 here on April 19th, the day before Easter. Wild that we're doing the show right here, just staring holidays right in the eye, huh? Yeah. No rest I, for the wicked. I think normally we've taken the Easter weekend off. Yeah. We've made a new commitment, though, in the last year and a half or so by introducing a couple of um, 
new fairly regular guests on the show, a couple of our other loan officers, so that we can try. To, I mean, the goal is really to try to do as many live shows as possible throughout yeah. the year. Well, it. I feel like it only kind of keeps legs momentum if it's fresh and people have a reason to want to tune in. I know for me personally, when I'm listening to the radio and I figure out about 15 minutes in that it's a rerun, I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah. Like, oh man, I was like giving you my attention and it turns out that it's not even, you're, this isn't even real. Yeah. This when it's a, a rerun. When it's a newsy show, it's gotta be, it's gotta be current. Hey, this is the non-newsy part though. Remember that. Oh, the, I'm, we're this, about to do that? No, we still are. Oh. That was what that was. It was not newsy. Yeah. The stuff about Wells. I mean, that that's not that newsy. Okay. Yeah, um, we've hit on a couple of good topics. Yeah. Loan amounts, the difference between a small company like ours and a big company like Wells. Yeah. Where are we going now? Well, there was another little thing that I thought would be kind of fun to talk about um, as we started talking about loans and stuff. And, and that that question about the maximum amount of money, I found it really fascinating. Like when we, we sat down and crunched out what the average loan amount was for our company that lends largely in Slow County. And I think most people would be kind of surprised to know what the average loan amount is. Do you want me to tell him? Yeah. It's been very consistent, very consistent. For th three years running now, our average loan amount has varied by like a couple thousand dollars, and it's it's been right around $275,000. That's, That's our average loan even, consistently for three even years. Even as someone that not only works in this stuff day in and day out, but I my production is a large contribution to those average loan amounts. And that number surprised me. Thinking it was high or low? I would have guessed it was something higher. Oh. Yeah. And and not only that, but I expected that the average loan amount would change a lot from last June until now. As we got away from refining, where everyone had a ton of equity and big down payments. You know what? I think it has. Uh, it, and hadn't, so... it hadn't in, in December when I looked at it. I did a, a over-the-year analysis of... Um, you know, I was kind of doing like some planning and goal stuff for myself. And I looked at units and average loan amount. And I was really surprised to see that it hadn't changed very much um, from December or I'm sorry, from January to June than it had from June to December. It was virtually unchanged even then. So um, but lately uh, there have been more loans that are in the $400,000 range lately. Um, and obviously it's more purchases. That's been the theme for months now. Um, and people just putting a little bit less down. Um, so let's see here. There was a um, talk this week. Let me see if I can dig out what I did with it. This was, this was pretty interesting to me. Um, was about first-time home buyers and how few first-time home buyers there are out in the market. Um, really? Yeah. Let's see. Where did I put this? Um, I feel like there's a lot of first-time home buyers out. Well, and and remember, sometimes the um, the view here is skewed from California. I mean, when you're when you're talking about. Uh, jobs and and stats around the country um 
I saw I was reading it was it's North Dakota, Florida, and Texas are like the top three jobs and housing markets right now that are doing pretty good. Um, but yeah, they're. I'm having trouble finding where this is in my notes right now. I'll find it in just a second here. But basically saying that first-time home buyers are now making up um, surprisingly less than um, they had in years past. And Percentage-wise. Percentage-wise. That, to me, would say I'm surprised at how many investors there are in the market. I th- I think there's still a lot of first-time home buyers trying to get in because of this unique opportunity that exists right now with – well, it's hard to say that prices are still depressed um, because they've really bounced up in the last couple of years, but interest rates are still really low. And so, so that creates an, an affordability opportunity for the first time home buyer. First time home buying has fallen to the lowest level ever recorded by the National Association of Realtors. Percentage wise. Yeah. yeah. 26% of sales in the month of January were from first time home buyers. Um, they usually in a given month make up 40% of the home buying activity. And, um, so they're saying that, um, of these people though, the majority of the renters who said they wanted to buy felt like they could afford home ownership despite the rising home prices and rising interest rates. Um, the trouble, why this number is so low, it's too competitive. Yep. Every single time lately that somebody starts talking about real estate, especially home sales and new home sales, you run back to the same problem. There aren't enough homes being built. There aren't enough homes for sale. And it it cuts down the ability of that first-time home buyer because they're not usually flush with the big down payment. Their offer pales in comparison to somebody else that's moving around within the housing market you know maybe they sold a house over here that had a couple hundred thousand in equity and they're putting that down into the next one um you know and that's that's the other thing too that you gotta gotta ask yourself is the median home value actually really going up or are we just seeing homes sell in a new category are are the people that own the mid-level housing it's not the entry-level stuff you know like in san luis for example i would argue that you know, some of the entry-level neighborhoods like over off of Ocean Air. There's some spots back in there that are a little bit more entry-level. Same thing, um, other parts of San Luis like over like Mitchell and Caudell. You might be able to sneak a good deal into one of those neighborhoods. Then there's a couple of neighborhoods that are like the premier neighborhoods. You know, up off the top of Royal or over behind the high school. Some of these neighborhoods where... Those aren't first-time homebuyer neighborhoods out at the country club. But those ones, those houses are beginning to sell now because somebody can sell their home to a move-up buyer and then go buy within that same or higher house category. When you get more volume of transactions happening in those higher dollar amounts, that's going to register into a higher median home value and it's, it, you know, because remember, median isn't an average, it's the middle. So could it be that home values themselves are just pinched um, and showing higher because we're not selling in the low entry level category as much as we were a couple years ago? 
it's kind of an interesting thing but um nevertheless it shows that there's still a little bit of a struggle for that first time home buyer and that i just got a kick out of that because that was kind of how we got here um you know back in the early 2000s when there was a push in the legislature to get home ownership rates up and subsequently what in 2005 or something we found ourselves to like an all-time high of home ownership in the country after a lot of loosey-goosey lending and stuff and now coming back to the present there's now a new pressure to figure out how to make homes affordable to increase the home ownership rate well it's funny because i every time we try to make home ownership a priority it ends up being the investors that um capitalize on the market think about even oh yeah even in the early 2000s guidelines got loose so it ended up being that you could buy an investment property with zero down and right. crazy financing and no verified income and you know similarly we're trying to get homes to first-time home buyers now granted there aren't the crazy loan programs but rates are so low and prices have been down that it's it's just an opportunity screaming to these investors to get in rent the rental market is higher right. um you know the the prices for for rents are elevated so investors are all over it and it is making it very difficult for a buyer to come in uh, a first time buyer to come in with some of those low down programs and and get win the the home a lot of times an offer comes in that's an FHA loan or a VA loan and it gets turned away because there's this perception that it's I'm harder to with finance. I'm yesterday. That, you remember that loan I was talking to you about yesterday, friends of mine from high school? Uh-huh. They found a house that they really liked. And, in fact, it had been on the market for a while because it was overpriced. And then they, the people that were selling the home gave a $50,000 price reduction, like a come on and it stirred up some interest so after sitting for months these guys come to the table and um they're in kind of an interesting spot because they live down in southern california and if you do a conventional loan the loan amount of 417 or less four hundred and seventeen thousand dollars or less you can do with only five percent down payment but if you go over 417 the down payment required becomes 10%. So if you track my logic here, it means that homes that are like 440,000, you could you could, somewhere in that price range, you could figure out how to do minimum down. But you get up to like 525,000, now you have to have 10% down, and that 10% down can be a barrier to entry to people. So I think that's kind of a funky place in the market where if you're trying to sell a house for 560 to 620, it's kind of weird. Um, so anyways, these guys have about 8% to put down. They're like right in there, but this house is like in the price range where they really need 10% down or their other option is an FHA loan. And they were told by the realtor that the seller would not accept an offer with an FHA loan. Yeah. And I'm like, why? You just rolled your eyes. I, I rolled mine too. And and I said, well, why? What's the problem with the house? That yeah. Is there a known insect infestation, known water damage? But so here's the thing. They said, oh, well, it's just going to have appraisal problems because it's an older house. Time out. 
you appraise a house for a conventional loan and an FHA loan really all the same. It goes on the same forms. Yeah, there's a couple of extra things about an FHA appraisal, but and they I, have to make sure the water runs. The they water have to make sure and the utilities the and appliances are work. Oh, that's pretty crazy. That's it. There's a couple of other things that rarely come up. For example, an FHA appraiser makes sure that like your handrails are the appropriate height and and just the conventional appraiser usually does too, but the FHA guy pays a little bit closer attention because he's forced to make remark about it. The the conventional appraiser just has to point out something that's glaring. But even still, like you said, termite, water damage, or obvious, infestation, or whatever. Obvious, yeah, dry rot. That's going to come up stuff. on a conventional loan too. I mean, there some people do. I've heard this said before that every FHA loan requires a termite report. That's not true. So at the end of the day, and this is what I ended up telling these folks and their real estate agent is. It never sits well with me to just have these glaring prejudice about things that you, you're unaware of. If the appliances are present and working and the utilities are on or can be turned on, the FHA loan is going to function the exact same way as the conventional loan. Yet in this case, they've determined that that's not true. So somebody without really any knowledge and, you know, it's so frustrating to me. So you're right that's that's a frustrating thing and it's still happening today people just don't understand and then start making decisions that have impact i like i like this topic of debunking some loan myths the other the other one that you see turned down a lot is a va loan because right. as the seller i'm required to pay some of that those buyers fees that's not the case there are certain fees the buyer isn't allowed to pay but it doesn't mean that the seller has to pay them. It means that the lender could pay them. Two it means things, that the realtors could kick I get in. a little bit fired up about this VA thing because this one is probably more prevalent than the FHA. And if there are realtors listening today, um, which I'm sure they are, you know what we're talking about. Um, there's this general idea that accepting a VA loan um, – for the property you're selling or for, you know, if you're the listing agent on a property, that that's a bad thing for you to do, that you're going to lose money ultimately. And so first and foremost, I say, you're kidding me, right? These are the veterans. These are the people that serve the country, put their life on the line for your freedom. And now you have an opportunity to um, sort of be prejudiced against them as a group somehow almost like saying, well, I don't sell to those kind of people. Like first and foremost, when I hear that talk, I get pretty pissed off pretty quick about it. Um, it just shouldn't be that way. That's, that's, that's a sad state of affairs that the very loan program that we give our soldiers to say, thank you is the one where the people that are selling the houses say, if you're going to buy with that crappy loan, I'm not going to lose money on you. I'll sell it to somebody else that didn't serve. That pisses me off always. Secondly, um, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not how it works. And I'll tell you what, as a lender, there are fees in a VA loan that we're not allowed to charge a VA, um, period. So guess what? We, they don't get charged. Yeah, we eat them. <laughs> we eat them. <laughs> and um, does it make me mad? Nope. 
That's just the rule? We play along with it? In when... fact, a lot of times, the banks that we sell to don't pass those fees through Correct. to us that we aren't allowed to charge. So all the way around, everyone takes the yeah. hit on it so that that's not an issue for anyone. On the on the VA side, there are a couple of things that are real, okay? First of all, the seller of the home has to provide a termite report. If there are findings in the termite report, they have to be addressed. The VA loan, by the way, is the only loan program where a termite report is required. Every the single time. only loan. Even if you do a refinance, they'll make you get a termite report. And so again, going back though, Here's the governing principle here. The Veterans Administration is basically saying, if you're going to sell a house or finance a house to one of our um, covered veterans, it's going to be in good shape. You're not going to sell them a termite-infested, water-damaged, mold-growing house. We're not going to let you do that. So it's non-negotiable on that loan always. You have to get a termite report. And if there are findings in the termite report, it has to be dealt with. And they mandate that the seller pay for anything in Section 1, which is like active infestation or water damage. And then Section 2 is typically on other loan programs. We let that slide. But on VA, they want Section 2 cleared as well. And these are things that are not active infestation, but you know, could be peeling paint or something like that. Um, and they'll let anybody pay for that, including the veteran. Um, so people don't understand that piece about the appraisal, um, don't understand that about the um, the repairs and the termite report. And then, and then the other component to the VA thing is that the buyer can't pay, like usually the buyer and seller split the escrow charge for the actual escrow component in a VA loan the the veteran's not allowed to pay for that half of the of the escrow escrow is typically for just the escrow piece is usually 500 bucks so it means that the seller is going to pay a thousand instead of 500 so is there a material cost as a seller to selling to a veteran sure it's probably 500 bucks but it's still, I mean, even that doesn't have to be paid for by the seller. No, you can have other we've people done, pay for it. We've done VA refinances where we just pay for the escrow. Yeah. And usually you just do because it's just easier rather than having somebody else to deal with it or whatever. And, and the other thing, though, that I want to point out is that these VA loans, the closing costs are ridiculously cheap. Um, they usually offer great incentives and interest rate to cover all of the closing costs anyway. So digging your heels in over something like that is just crazy. Um, I, those kind of things drive me up a wall when I hear people out saying things like that. Oh, well, don't ever sell your loan to a veteran or, you know, your home. Yeah. yeah those kind of things. It's just wild to me that we have people spread these misconceptions about, the loan programs and they folks really latch onto them and accept them as true just to round out this discussion usda loans function identically to an fha loan mm -hmm. as far as appraisal standards go and there's no fee issues everything's pretty much the normal way so, so but at the same time if you're a seller and this happens like uh, i put my house for sale for four hundred thousand. Three offers come in. One is from a, a veteran, 100% financing. One is from USDA, 
100% financing. And let's say those are both 400,000, my asking price. And then somebody comes along with a $380,000 all cash. They'll take the all cash offer. Leave $20,000 on the table because, well, <laughs> that guy getting 100% financing is probably not going to pull this off. I mean, are they even doing 100% financing anymore? Start into this weird discussion inside your or head that's I'm not. I'm not going to pay that extra $500 for no, escrow. No, so let me just leave <laughs> twenty grand on the table. Those, which, which pays the real estate commission in itself, this that is, twenty grand. This is really <laughs> happening and has been for years. It's really fascinating to me. So, you know, I and I'm I'm not suggesting that it's just always you should just take the highest price. I understand that the cash one's less risk, you don't have to wait around, do all things. So you're buying the convenience and security of it. If that's worth the twenty grand to you, then good luck to you. That's fine. It, it just, it really cooks me when people would just simply not evaluate the options, even looking at them legitimately, uh, just because they don't, they don't know how or don't want to, and they just want to make some weird blanket statement. So th that being said, the other thing I wanted to just say to you guys, if it, whether you're a real estate agent or somebody selling a property or whatever, um, we're always happy to help. If you want to call and say, you are you have nothing to do with this, but I'm selling my house and I have an offer from a vet and an offer from a USDA and an offer for an all cash. And, you know, if you're struggling on how to interpret that stuff, we're pretty good at that. Um, we'd be happy to, to lend a hand and show you how to navigate it. it it's not do like a backup pre-approval or something, just in case you don't trust the pre-approval letter that came with the offer. Sure. Yeah. Just, yeah. Ne another we'll set that. of eyes is never, a, never a bad thing, right? Oh no. Kind of like that commercial we used to run saying no one's ever lost money from getting a second opinion. That's, that's pretty factual. I think. You could, th I can think of a scenario where you might lose money if you got a second opinion, but not, not in our no. line of work. Only if it takes so long to get your second opinion <laughs> that by the time you do your original deal is no longer offered, then you may have lost money getting a second opinion. Come on. How long does it take to get a second opinion? It takes us like less than a few hours to do a prequal. Yeah. And there's varying degrees of pre-qualifying somebody too. Yeah. I mean, you can go the whole nine yards where you look at every single document and actually do all of the calculations on hard paper. Sometimes we pre-qualify people just by talking through all of the, you know, the numbers and scratching out all the rough scenarios and calculations and saying, yeah, that, that'll be fine. So or we can go so far as pre-qualifying someone before they even have a property, like a full pre-qual, full underwrite. Yeah. Then you have a bulletproof pre-qual. I like to think that I do that anyway. Just well, I your pre-qual is only as good as the information you get over the phone. I've been doing like, this for so scenario. long and feel so comfortable with it that when I give somebody a pre-qual, it, it is, I mean, that is underwriting approved. I'm, I'm an underwriter. I trained underwriters. You can etch it in stone, huh? I mean, you could hang your hat on it. it. And it's funny to me, too, how people don't really sense that, like, security, though. Even some of our loan officers where they'll come in with, are you sure this will work? This guy has a foreclosure. 
you know, on X date, and I just am scared that they may that it may not work. Um, we we do enough loans that we're pretty pretty able and confident to say whether or not someone's got a crack at getting the financing they're after. Wouldn't you say? I yeah, yeah. So that um that is kind of my non newsy news. Remember I told you yeah. like I. That wasn't too newsy, but those were things that I wanted that was, to talk about this morning. That was a morning. fun hour. We're kind of at that awkward little time of the hour, though, where there's like three minutes left, so we can't really do another story, but it's too soon to just stop talking. I I have another piece here that ties into... Um, I started doing advanced. And here you're just going to go for another news story, aren't you? Just real quick. What, Jason, stop talking? Well, we have like four <laughs> minutes happen. before the break. No, I, I, I'm doing a new note thing where I'm, I'm keeping several pages of notes now. So they're on their themed pages. Oh, wow. So I have one more on this sheet here that goes with that non-newsy news. And this one is a one little moment. bit more newsy. Um, foreclosure activity. Is it funny that we're hearing headlines every week again about foreclosure activity? Yeah, because I, I feel like there's so few and far between, but I I saw a headline about that as well. Yeah, foreclosure activity fell 10% in February from January and is down 27% from a year ago. And that's to its lowest total since December of 06. Is that a national figure? Yeah. You want to hear something really crazy? Huh. In the county? Foreclosure filings are down 38% from one year ago. And from, what was it? The, the peak, peak of foreclosure activity in Slow County was the first quarter of 2011. 1200, over 1,200 properties with foreclosure filings in first quarter 2011. Here we are just three years later. First quarter foreclosure activity, 177. Wow. It's less than 10% of the peak huh it's like eight percent and didn't you always feel like there's foreclosures are kind of a normal thing right i mean even in a normal <laughs> didn't feel like it until yeah recently. but even in a normal market like I, I remember sharing with people that were like trying to get a loan modification and they're so frustrated and they're calling the the loss mitigation department at their bank it's like well you recognize the loss mitigation department there it's always there before we started in on this short sale loan mod foreclosure business that we do they were the ones that did like forbearance agreements and even loan modifications and short sales in the normal market because there are times when people can't pay their mortgage like legitimately have something in their life happen and those those parts of these banks are figuring out how to wade through that all the time so I think it's accepted that somehow somewhere around like one to three percent of your portfolio at any time might be in some stage of foreclosure. So there there is some normalcy to it. Going into those slow numbers, I would suspect that's still about three times more than usual. I would guess so too. Yeah. All right, guys, it's the top of the hour break. So we got a few minutes here to get some fresh air, go fill up your coffee, do what you got to do. We get back, we got a whole hour to go, and we've been saving all the good, juicy news stuff for the second hour. So stick with us when we get back from this short break for more Mortgage Matters.
Not average. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Sorry, we got caught talking yeah, baseball talking. right there before the mics went live. <laughs> baseball season, exciting time in yeah. these parts. We'd be loving some baseball. Angels have a pretty good offense. Too bad their pitching's terrible. There's hope. They yeah, might be. there's trades, man. They <laughs> can make a trade. They might be able to figure it out soon. Get a, now we need a couple guys back off the DL, too. They've got one of the best. I think they have the second best offense, like second most home runs or something like that in the majors. Well, I was trying to count last night. I, I haven't been able to verify this at all, but I think we're on our fourth player now that's had multiple home run games. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. When you see guys. And and it so far, it's kind of even been some of the more unsuspecting people. Um, so that's pretty exciting. I don't know. I, I doubt we want to bore everybody. There's not too many people listening to Saturday morning talk radio that care about the Angels. I don't, I don't know. In this market? I think say. there are. Yeah, hard to say. Good times. I love baseball season. All right, Dan. Well, I did that first hour was Ugh. just straight out of my notes. So this time I was thinking this would probably just let you do this hour and I'll chime in as needed. Okay. Okay. Let's see how that goes. All right. Can you walk down the hall, get a cup of coffee? Yeah. Maybe a donut. I'll I have a feeling up. I'll start talking and then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go make a sandwich. And then you, you might have something to say. Well, my take on this week was a lot of news, a lot of housing and job news. And. Across the board, it was all positive. So we were making fun of all the stories about, oh, numbers are down, but it's because of the cold that swept across the nation. Well, maybe that was it. Maybe that was the truth. <laughs> because every because like the weather, the economy is thawing right now. That's you, what we're seeing. I've heard just the same. The, the thaw, the, the polar vortex stories were true. That's really what slowed down our our economy. In addition to the the typical seasonality of our economy, just the extra cold weather that swept across everywhere except for California, um, really seems to have been the accurate storyline for the for the winter. And now that things are warming up, we're seeing um, the economy thaw out. We've seen really good retail sales numbers. Um, what did we have there? We, we, we've seen in the last two months, a 1.1% increase in retail sales for March and a 0.7% retail sales jump for February. Typically we, over the past several years, we've seen retail sales in good months go up 0 0.2, 0.3, 0.4%. You're not supposed to be excited about increased retail sales when wages are stagnant. Just saying. But you are when 70% <laughs> of your economic activity is people buying things. Yeah, it just it would be good if it was coupled with the news of increased wages as well. Well, you're right. But on we haven't seen the wage increases yet, but we are seeing people getting back to work. And one of the most exciting headlines of the week was around jobless claims. Uh -huh. And last week... I know that we had the the lowest number of jobless claims since, you know, pre-recession levels. The since 
what was it, October or May of 2007, something like that. Well, now the four-week moving average, which is really the more stable number in jobless claims, has reached a pre-recession level. That four-week average is now down to 312,000 jobless claims per week, which I remember you, you were sharing a few months ago back in the 05 time frame that we were still experiencing 287 280,000 yeah. jobless claims a week so we're at 312 we're not far off that the last time the 4 week average was this low was october of 2007 2 months prior to the beginning of the economic downturn yeah so jobless claims have have steadily improved and now we're hitting those pre-recession numbers jobless rates are falling in a lot of states, um, this latest jobs report, which came out early April, um, we, we now know as we break it down state by state that 21 states have seen the jobless rates continue to fall and only 12 uh, or only rising in 17 of those states. You had mentioned, I think, North Dakota being a really positive state for both housing and jobs. North Dakota has the lowest jobless rate at 2.6%. Yeah, I mean, they're employing people who shouldn't be employed with that kind of employment rate. <laughs> they have created too many jobs. Um, What's uh, their secret, by the way? Less people. Perhaps. <laughs> Not or, enough or population growth. using the people you have efficiently. I guess so, yeah. Um, California still, however, is, is one of the states that's lagging in unemployment. We're fourth in the country with the highest, fourth highest unemployment rate at 8.1%. In my notes, though, California, California and Iowa recorded a decrease of more than a thousand initial claims for the week, and um, California's thirteen thousand eight hundred ninety initial claim drop. They say was weather related. Hmm. So that's cool. You started talking about weather, Dan. I I got a kick out of it. Um, your opening remarks here felt a little bit like the beige book comments that I read this week. Um, did you bring in notes on the beige book? No. Yeah. The headline for the beige book, weather factors heavily into the fed beige book again. And, um, so the, the beige book is cleverly named because it's actually beige in color. At least it was at one time. Um, and it, it takes economic conditions from 12 districts around the U S and they mentioned the word weather 103 times in this month's report on wow. the Beige Book. Yes. I'm told at my house that the Beige Book is named because it's the most boring report that exists. <laughs> it's not that boring. I think it's pretty exciting. I like the Beige Book report. Are you getting ribbed at home oh, about your totally. <laughs> yeah. About your geeky economic show you yeah. do? What more boring color is there than beige? While the less severe winter appeared to have bolstering manufacturing sector activity, housing activity remained fairly subdued with weakness in home sales and construction activity. Um, that's just kind of the, the overall tone um, was that there is a bit to look forward to in months ahead, though. The, the Beige Book saying, seeing things thaw out, appears that we're going to have some um, pickup coming and um, we should see it and expect it in coming months. So that's pretty exciting. 
I I keep wondering and and watching this economy. I I feel like it's um on the cusp of building steam and growing stronger or on the cusp of staying flat and potentially freaking people out. So you don't know where it's going. Um <laughs> no. Well, no, I, I there was um some comments made. I, I don't. It wasn't the Beige Book report. It was. Um, it was from the Fed chairman Janet Yellen, but she was speaking to the Economic Club of New York this week, and she made some statements that the the recovery is on pace to be complete. We're going to be done with the recovery. We're going to stop recovering in two years. Oh, I can't wait. Um, but she did say that that this recovery still warrants the um, assistance of the central bank. Um, she said that. Based on the Fed's forecasts today, they project that the unemployment rate will bottom out and that inflation will begin to pick up by the end of 2016. Fantastic. So a lot of optimism in the jobs market and just the overall health of the economy. We saw a similar report this week from the IMF, the International Inter Monetary International Fund. Monetary Fund, 188 nation group um, that is seeing the same thing. There's definitely seeing the U.S. recovery, but it's it's helping the whole world begin to recover, and they're starting to see um, global growth picking up, and they believe that it's going to strengthen pretty significantly. Global global growth this year is projected to be around 3.6% and next year 3.9%. Wow. So a lot of rosy reports. That's pretty exciting. This last week, we got minutes from the um, the Fed meeting last month. They made their announcement and gave their, their speech, but um, they released the actual minutes. And uh, I brought this in um, to share with because you remember when they started doing the the tapering? They started buying less of the bonds and mortgage-backed securities that they'd been buying. And we had this discussion on the show of, like, do they not see that it's not a good time to start cutting this stuff? It's already just the talk of it really pushed interest rates up. And we had some really bad jobs months in a row. And then they just went for it anyway. Um, listen to this statement from the Fed's meeting. Housing activity remained slow over the intermeeting period. Although unfavorable weather contributed to the recent disappointing performance of housing, a few participants suggested that last year's rise in mortgage interest rates may have produced a larger-than-expected reduction in home sales. They finally acknowledged it. Seriously. And I was like, wow, that is awesome i'm glad that they finally queued into that because you can totally see a before and after landscape in the real estate sentiment since rates spiked and it has really nothing to do with weather it has nothing to do with the bond purchasing or not um, it's just simply people it got cooled because rates went up and it bothered me for months that we weren't getting that acknowledgement out of the fed. Um, and so that's interesting. I don't know if that's going to change anything or affect any policy or anything like that, but just to hear it be acknowledged finally, I thought was a good move. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing to think about because at the, at the same time that activity slowed down, 
we're still seeing pretty substantial price appreciation through the various price in indices that come out, you know, 20% year over year type of growth. Sure. The number of homes being sold is down, but in some of the bigger metros like the Bay Area, still seeing multiple offers, 20% over list price sales, like crazy kind of numbers. So is the slowdown more related to rate increases or did did it just happen to is it coincident coincidental that rates increase at the same time we just ran out of homes for sale because it seems like there's just a lack of inventory no but and this is what i think the feds saw this is what i think is kind of exciting about <clears throat> this retrospect that we have now is with the interest rate at three and a quarter percent for a 30-year fixed there was such an affordability created that we were in fact running out of homes and creating a really insatiable demand and i think that they did know these guys have got to know that not building homes for seven years is problematic and therefore had no choice but to pull the lever that applied some brakes because they knew they needed them, even though the outcome was going to be, you know, a little bit less than their ideal outcome. But at the same time, you got to remember the, the feds have been doing their very best. And I don't, uh, I, I'll have this argument with anybody that wants to take up the other side. There's a lot of unknowns in, what is going to work and what's not in the economy. And, and you laughed earlier that a lot of the programs that have intended to thaw things have made the investors more money like it always does. Um, I read a great article this week about how so many failing businesses and you go through the list, like you see things like Staple and Office Max and um, all these various companies filing for bankruptcy. The stocks that have been absolutely going up and doing great are the stocks that are like the high-end goods like gucci and prada and like the the haves and the have-nots kind of that the haves are the companies that supply the haves are thriving and doing a great job that the gap seems to still widen more so it, I, I don't know it's it, the economy is at an interesting point right now i think is the it, the gist of it it's 11.20 now, so Jim, wake up. We're going to have you push the commercial button. This guy gets snorry on us from time I'm to time. I'm not snoring. I'm just deep in thought about what you're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? About what you're saying. Uh, maybe I was snoring. I don't know. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, I was reading about taking me out to the ball game here. Where yeah? Are you going to go get some baseball? Uh, maybe. Yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. I can't wait. Fascinating story. Haven't been to a live game yet. Can't wait to go. <laughs> Fascinating story. <laughs> oh, good man, Charlie Brown. All right. Are we going to take this break now? Yeah. I got, I got my finger on the F9, but we're ready to go, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll have more on Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. 
What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Hey guys, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's hard to believe it's already April 19th. It's going by fast. I think you want to know my theory about why time accelerates the older you get? What would that be, Jason? I think it has to do with how fast the first comes around. You got to like pay all your bills and your oh. mortgage and everything again. Yeah. So that just crazy. that just creeps up on you just super fast. It just the, the oh, it interval shortens. It doesn't creep up on you. It just like slams into you basically. <laughs> <laughs> like a ton of bricks, huh? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Well, we're chipping away at the articles over here on the news desk. <laughs> what are you giggling at? Sounds so official. A uh, news desk. That's what you are. It looks like the news desk over there. <laughs> you got to keep in mind, most of the people listening to the show have never even seen the studio here. Oh, this luxurious room? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Palatial. Yeah. It really Palatial. Palatial. Palatial, it is. dude. Yeah. I'm surprised with all the marble and statues that there's not more echoing. I know. It is oh cold gosh. with all the crystal. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That green room, man, fully stocked. You know, yeah. uh, steak and lobster and everything. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a little filling to eat steak and lobster uh, first thing yeah. in the morning. But, you know, it's what they got. Dan and I have to sit back and be quiet and let you dog. Because Dan yeah. and I just had that big old buffet out there. Right. 
Wow. It's not really like that at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> More like about an eight by ten room with three guys sitting in here with a hot door. Yeah, door it gets kind of breathy, kind of hot. <laughs> I'm sitting at a a formica um, countertop looking thing that's got yeah. several sets of holes in it from microphones of yesteryear that have yeah. <laughs> since been yeah. retired. Mm-hmm. It's trimmed in oak. My nice. <laughs> it's oh, trimmed nice. in oak. There, there's a benefit. <laughs> trimmed in. My oak. headphones are being held together by duct tape and bailing wire. What's really cool is they they really like industrial carpet, so they ran it up the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Why stop with the floor? Let's let's just go halfway up the wall. Wait, <laughs> when you were in your interior designing class, you guys didn't do carpet wainscoting. <laughs> yeah. Baseboards usually are at the bottom of the wall, not the middle, right? Well, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> That's basically uh, like a chair rail type. Yeah. Thing. yeah, but it's creating wainscoting. I, I think they actually did that to be sound dampening. Sound I, dampening. I get it. I, yeah. I understand the theory behind it. It just looks funny. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, now now you have now a Dad's good the, picture of the room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they liked their outdoor <laughs> carpet. <laughs> So much they we ran it up have, the walls. We do have a nice view of Zach Elaine. We do. Your perspective of yeah. yeah. I think we also have the the last tube television in existence in here. Uh, possibly. On awesome. a cart, too. Like, like, <laughs> like he used to get in uh, elementary sub- Yeah, like substitute day. <laughs> it's movie day. Check out the strength of the cart that it's sitting on, too, man. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of leaning to the side. It could kind of like fall over and break. I bet that TV is worth a lot of money. You should put it on a more substantial base than that, yeah. that cart. $15 a Goodwill, probably. I don't, even I don't know. That. <laughs> That's a freebie giveaway on the good, side of the road. Goodwill doesn't even take TVs, man. <laughs> they don't They don't want your electronic trash. Yeah. Anyway. So. I, I thought you were going to point out, like, the aromatic qualities of, like, when you come in and out of the building over here on Zacco. Oh, yeah. Here. It smells so great in here. Oh, when I drove by, it was especially um, smelly thanks to the water treatment yeah the wastewater treatment facility i mean you could probably like throw a stone in it from here and on the right when the wind is blowing the right way on a good summer day you get it's lovely all right uh should i put on summer breeze right now (laughs) (laughs) sure really set the mood yeah Anything you know about county home sales in March? I do. I I happen I, I happen to study that particular topic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pause Look for a moment. Next break with summer breeze. Uh, I'm yeah. never gonna think of that song the same again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> so we did kind of touch on seriously though. Seriously, seriously though. Um, we we did kind of touch on on the sales issue and and home prices just a minute ago, and what we're seeing around our neck of the woods is very similar to what we're seeing statewide, and it's it's that units are down, but prices are up. Yeah, prices continue to be up substantially. That's that's not going to change for a long time. 24% increase in the median home price in our county. Median home price currently sits at $465,000 in San Luis Obispo County. Um, it's the 23rd consecutive month in which the median home sales prices increase year over year. I'm telling you, 
This is a time to build. Statewide, the number of sales... Oh, countywide, number of sales is down almost 11% year-over-year. Statewide, down almost 13% year-over-year. Statewide, the median home price is up 21% to $376,000. Huh. When you look at just... California, that 20% year-over-year increase, it's the 16th month in a row that the, I'm sorry, year-over-year increase, that the it's the 16th straight month that the year-over-year increase has exceeded 20%. Whoa. That was pretty surprising to me. I, I know that it's been going up For almost a year and a half. A year and a half, it's been 20% year-over-year increases. It's time to do a cash-out refi. That opportunity exists for a lot of people. <laughs> you know... You deserve a jet boat, Dan. <laughs> what it what it really tells me is that there just aren't those those low end... It, it, it speaks to the foreclosure numbers that we, talk, that we talked about earlier. Those aren't a part of the market like they were before. No. Because that, what was, that was what was making up that extra... 10 to 15% of the market was those $100,000 foreclosure and short sale deals that were out there that just got scooped up. They skewed that median home price down significantly, boosted up the sales numbers. Those have all been eaten up so quickly that now we're left with the true median homes out there. Yeah. Median and upper end homes. <clears throat> I think that's exactly what's gone on. And I think even at the time we had a pretty good idea that that's what was happening. I, I definitely recall that we we were talking about that when that entry level stuff was just flying off the shelves and a lot of investors came in and got a ton of it. Yeah. Um, this doesn't mean that everyone's home in the last year and a half has gone up 30 to 40%. That's not what this means. No, but that house on my street that I was telling you about that sold, um, you know, I think I brought this up to you already before. I could tell just from public records. So I'm not telling anybody secrets or anything, but I could see on the property profile that they bought the house in 2010 and sold it here in 2014. Um, just less than four years they owned it. And they, it looks like they bought it for like 380 and they sold it for 420. So 10%. I was looking at them, was like, you know, check that out. That's a home that was, and in a Tascadero, by the way, in 2010, 380, that's not the average sales. That's not the median sales price. This, that was, that's more than the entry level house. It's a pretty nice little house. 10% um, though, over a few years, that's, I think, normal. That feels like I would have expected that. Um, at the same time, there was some part of me that was kind of like, good for you way to buy a house in 2010, live in it for four years and, and turn it, you know, probably for a profit. I mean, if you consider every month they paid something to be there and the maintenance and all that, but that's a good play. Not a lot yeah. of people have been doing that lately, but that, uh that's exactly the point that, that I'm trying to make here is that you, you see these headline numbers of 20% increases for nearly two, well, a year and a half. 
here um, it in makes California. you think though is that your my home's worth 40 percent or 30 percent the house more. i bought for four hundred thousand clearly must be worth 560 now i've right. been looking at all these numbers and the reality is that's just not no true. it speaks more to what's selling than what your home is appreciate the pace that your home's appreciating at because these folks owned it for four years gosh at 20 percent year over year i mean it should be worth almost double what they paid for it right but no it's it, it increased about 10%. you hit it on the head right there great way to say it it speaks more to what's selling in the current market than how your house is appreciating that's what those numbers mean and that's not a bad thing no it's i don't great. i don't think it's a bad thing at all in fact if anything, we're a little bit constrained right now by the fact that it's sort of a risky endeavor to list your home for sale. You may not have an easy time finding a replacement home for your family in, in the time that you sell yours and jump into a new one. So you kind of have to be willing to move your stuff twice, right? You're going to possibly have to put it in storage or become a renter until you can find your replacement home. The fact that that's very much a reality in the market today makes it difficult for people to say i'm willing to sell my home they're not that confidence in their uh, ability to replace the home i was talking to wes recently he said it, it's common in the market right now to write a contingency for the seller that they would not um have to close on their side of the deal until they found their replacement property so sometimes getting themselves an extra month or two built into the contract where they could procure a replacement home before they actually had to execute kind of giving them an out or a way out um that's fascinating that's that's something that um isn't regularly seen well and it just it 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 lets us know that we we need more inventory we need homes to to be built and so that is a nice little segue into the the next set of numbers that we have this week um builders started work on on homes at a at a 946,000 uh units per year pace which is up about 2.8% from last month so another sign of the of the thawing of the economy that's, thawing of the weather that's housing starts that you point out so these are actually ground broken now on somebody that did all the legwork to get to that point accompanying those numbers that came out this week is that building permits declined right so that that doesn't play too well into the confidence of what to expect going forward it is nice to see that we're breaking ground on some new stuff though but let, let put that into like the the context though wouldn't you expect that during the freeze when it's hard to get out and actually build homes that that's more of the time you're doing the paperwork doing the permitting and now that i mean it just makes sense that there was maybe more of that activity sure during the winter time and now now springs hit and and maybe it's just a temporary dip <sighs> um one th breaking down the the starts number a little bit more single family home starts were actually up six percent but the reason the overall index was was only about three percent was because there is a drop off in the number of apartment buildings condos townhouses so hey well last month it was the flip flop last month what we found out was that the starts were saved only actually by those non-residential and commercial permits that the single family starts were down so um, that just goes to show you that there is can be a little mix up and a sway from one month to the next. 
when you pull permits to build a so many hundred unit apartment complex, um, that's a different project than uh, one off building permits to build a single family versus building a tract, right? So those numbers can be swayed from month to month a little bit, but that's good to see that single family homes are going into the ground. Uh, I can't stress this enough. I think we're uh, years, uh, years ago, this was discussed probably five or six years ago that in the end, when all of this settles down and everything sort of normalizes, what we're going to be left with is a really pent up housing demand that we just didn't build houses for long enough. And, and I'm telling you, you're going to hear some great success stories about people making tons of money that are willing to build homes right now. There's just not, not enough homes going into the ground. It's 1138. And that means that we do need to do our final commercial break of the show. If you guys have any questions, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can call in and, and ask a question if it's something related to, to your home or uh, financing of your home, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. Number is 543-8830, 543 uh, alternatively, if you're interested, you can give us a call at the office too. Um, we're always available to help answer those questions for you or get you pre-qualified. Maybe you're interested in looking into buying a second home or an investment property or whatever. We'd love to walk you through that. If you're interested at all, give us a call. Number is 543-5626, which is 543-LOAN. So go ahead and give us a whack. Um, call us up, ask us a question, share a comment here on the show we got 20 minutes to go uh it makes it interesting stick around after this short break for more mortgage matters don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 to ask a question call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 we'll be back in just a few minutes the state of denial is a drag and a trial when i bought my cheap insurance should have known this day would come now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Thanks for being with us. It's 11.42 on Easter's Eve. Hope you guys have some great plans for something fun in the sun today. Looks like a great day to get out. Dan, I was um, looking during the break for uh, the shopping cart, this inflation shopping cart. Do you know what it's called? The, inf- the inflation shopping cart? Yeah. There's... <clears throat> I mean, it's not a real shopping cart. But the this basket is the idea. of goods. The basket of goods. Yeah, I've heard of that. The basket of goods is kind of tracking this this metric of uh, items that you buy and looking at the change in cost over time. It's hard to it's hard to nail down what's actually on the list, but as I'm looking around, interestingly enough. Um, this article says they removed the DVD recorder. You know what replaced it? The Blu-ray. Netflix and Amazon. Oh. So those are now being tracked in that um, inflationary basket of goods. So who knows? Um, you you have fine print over there about yeah. some CPI. Yep. The Consumer Price Index, which is our our uh, barometer of inflation, where they take that basket of goods that does not include food or energy, because who buys that stuff? And uh, that's that's how we determine what the trend is in inflation. Was up 0.2 percent in March over the past 12 months. That core inflation, excluding food and energy, was up 1.7%. So creeping up to the the target rate of 2%. We're still under target. If it's up 0.2% for the month, though, is it good enough logic to say you do 12 times 0.2 to figure out that you're somewhere around 2.4 for an annualized pace? Is that? Yeah, if every month was up 0.2%, but over the past 12 months, that's not been the case. So, so logically, really, though, what I'm saying is it seems like we're we it, sort of improved the pace of inflation a little bit. Sure. So that's a good thing, right? Sure. No? Yeah. You don't I seem mean, convinced. We, I've seen these 0.2%, 0.1% increases. You see those alternate every year, and that's how you land at 
1.7. Some of the articles I was reading this week were talking about the falling price of gasoline. Really? <laughs> yeah. Where's is that happening? Falling and upward. And why? Yeah. I mean, is it falling up? Is that possible? Yes. Falls in the yeah. Interorbital falling. <laughs> Falls into the tank. Yeah, as yeah and that out. that was really my sentiment. Is that really gas? Is, seems like it's going crazy lately. Yeah, I, I heard they turned to the summer blend uh, a little early this year. <laughs> That's awesome. As they should. Things have warmed up sooner. I mean, we've already really had some blossoming trees. Let's get going on the summer blend. What's frustrating to me about this price index, and we've we've talked about this before, is that they cut food and energy from the number. Yeah. So, I mean, when I look at my monthly budget, <laughs> I got to believe that I'm spending, I mean, my biggest expenditures in the month besides housing, health insurance, are food and energy. Health insurance. And health insurance. <laughs> but food and energy are up there. I mean, you fill up your tank of, of the car a few times a month, and you're up into the two, three, four hundred dollar range and, and higher, depending on how much you drive. Food, I mean, depending on your household number, can it's several hundred dollars a month. So those are the things. Several I sp- hundred a month. My, in my household, food is like several hundred a week. That's crazy. You know how much those dudes eat? Several to me means more than two. Really yeah. more than three. Because a few hundred is like three. Several is like four and higher. You spend $400 a week? No, it's probably pushing 300 Holy cow. Well, well, he's, yeah. got three t- he's got three kids that are yeah. going Yeah, well, yeah, and the boys true. are, I mean, they just, they got hollow legs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pack them, you know, you got to make them a big breakfast and pack them like a lunch that in you know includes snacks and then when they get home you'd think they hadn't eaten for three days (laughs) into the kitchen they're making anything and everything and that's at three o'clock and then somewhere before dinner there's another snack that happens and then dinner it's insane how much those guys eat i remember my dad complaining about it and just thinking yeah you know well that's well, you want us to not eat when we're hungry, Dad? You know, but now I'm like, geez, <laughs> I, yeah. I get it. Those dudes put <laughs> away some like your food. old man, huh? And well, I'll tell you what, eating, but feeding the kids with like healthy food is that's the expensive part of it. If you yeah. were willing to buy like, you know, noodle roni and like cheese its and stuff, you could probably do it for a lot less money. So, so you would even say that food probably exceeds your health insurance bill. Oh, for sure. Okay. So there's an index for food prices. and it, It's not part of inflation. It's not part of the basket of goods that we measure every month. It's its, its own thing. So, Dan, tell me, am I paying more for food now than I was recently? Heck, yeah. I know. <laughs> the index for poultry, meats, and eggs. So these are your proteins. Here. Oh, someone's got to be having a birthday lately to get a steak. Have you checked out like steak costs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beef uh, is so expensive now. Yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah, be- because of the drought, it costs a lot more to grow a cow now. Yeah. Well, or you got to like mail order a bale of hay <laughs> <laughs> to get it to your field to feed that cow. Yeah. So the index for these for poultry, meats, and eggs has in just the last two months we've seen. Uh, back-to-back 1.2% increases 
That's crazy. So two and a half percent just in the last two months. Um, our number one expenditure for the for the month, housing, mm-hmm. housing, the shelter index, is up nearly three percent in the last twelve months. As it should be. Right. <laughs> okay. As it should be. Wow. Okay. <laughs> How do they measure that? That just is based on increased in rents or increase in interest rates? Yeah, it's it's um it's a signal of higher rent prices. You know, it's going to be interesting too cuz I I've, I've heard that um some of the water is getting caught up in like Ventura to the strawberry farmers. What's I actually saw do? today that that the state's planning on yeah, increasing I mean, the allocation because of the recent rains. Well, that's good. Because I mean, what would that I mean do the yeah, it just makes and it just yeah. Know, makes it, I mean, it's not going to affect affect inflation because you know we don't buy food. We don't care about food when it comes to inflation. Right. Don't don't bother me with <laughs> what's gotten more expensive in terms of food. So what's oh so the basket of goods is all the household necessities like Netflix and what else is in it? Yes. Netflix is a necessity. Not food or gasoline yeah. or or. Or, you know, what it costs to heat my house or um, to heat my water. The basket of goods is typical for items that most consumers would purchase each month. <laughs> not food. I don't know if you ask not Jason's gas, kids, Netflix not might be Not natural gas, not electricity, <laughs> none of those things that people wouldn't typically purchase in a month. What are the things that people are more likely to purchase in a month? Oh. Netflix, of course. And what else? Yeah, and like probably like some underwear, some shampoo. I don't buy underwear every month. No, but you, if maybe you, I'm doing if it wrong. You did. <laughs> maybe I'm, but if you did, but if you did buy them last month and this month, are we having one of those awkward moments where I'm the only one? <laughs> are we heading towards the underwear index right now too? I'm wondering now if perhaps you're the reason why things are dragging. <laughs> when was the last time you did buy underwear, sir? Um, I had a pretty, uh, I, I had a nice influx of, of fresh underwear this uh, past Christmas. Okay. So nice. you're set now. I feel good about it. I mean, maybe I'm just one of the oddballs who doesn't buy it every month, but I've my supply <laughs> so far has lasted me this past three months. I'm glad to know that Dan's yeah. doing well with the underwear. Yeah, I'm good. Whole fresh, fresh influx of undies. Good. He brings up the underwear yeah. index. You uh, do recall the underwear index. Oh, it's the key factor in a key signal of how our economy is doing. Share it. How much underwear is being sold? Well, I don't know the number, but I know it's yeah. it's like the metric that Warren Buffett looks at. One of them has to do but it's with. The pri- I mean, let's get real. It's the it's the primary one, right? Probably. I mean, it has to do with whether or not you feel good about your place in in life. I feel good because I've I have brand. I mean, these, the, the waistband is tight. If you're struggling <laughs> on making ends meet, you'll leg out some underwear and wear, and wear them for far too long. Sure, flip them inside out. So yeah, they, whatever you got. Warren Buffett tracks this and knows that if they're if you're buying underwear, really it, it's that. a sign of confidence. <laughs> I can't see Dan doing that. I'm still <laughs> silent. I'm not a good thing. I'm looking for the actual. I'm, I'm still waiting to hear these other goods that we typically I'm buy throughout the, the actual list. The basket of goods. Yeah. Yeah. What's in that basket? Toothpaste, probably. 
takes right. more than a month to I go can, through toothpaste. I can buy into toothpaste. Yeah. I don't buy it every month, but when I do buy it, you know, I buy a few at a time. Just so I have a backup. All right, we'll get I'm back losing, to that. I'm losing <laughs> confidence in the basket of goods. Given it sounds that I can't, like it's Netflix underwear How come and I can't clearly find a list? <laughs> I should. This information should be readily available. If this is the the very propaganda you're feeding me to make me believe that things have not gotten substantially more expensive, I think I we need to tell revise you what, the list to what we actually buy every month. I think I think food and energy should be the inflation index, and everything else should be excluded. There you go. That would make a lot more sense. I found a new term that it could possibly be under. It's called the market basket. Ah. Oh man, and this again just lacks the actual list of the. Um, I want to know the goods that are in there. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll share a couple of other really boring numbers just because they're here, and I might as well. Oh, you're gonna do some newsy news. Yeah, businesses increased their stockpiles in February. Another sign of the the winter or the spring thaw. Um, so we, we, we've seen businesses increase anticipating more sales, and we've seen factory output increase, probably because businesses are increasing their stockpiles. Um, higher factory output is a sign of greater demand by businesses and consumers. Okay. So that's good. We're seeing factory production increase 0.5% in March and one, nearly 1.5% 1 in February. So that's, pretty, that's a solid increase in manufacturing. That's exciting. How you doing on that basket of goods that we typically buy? It should be so easy. We typically buy these things. I, again, <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty floored that the old uh, basket that this list should be readily available. I'm gonna find the list. Maybe it's like inter I mean Netflix. Maybe it's just entertainment goods. Maybe it's like movies. Uh, you know what we do to go out. You know baseball tickets. You know, things like that. CPI represents all goods and services purchased for consumption by the reference population. But then, and, and this, by the way, is coming straight from BLS website. Food and beverages. But see, they exclude those things from the, the normal, right? But here, here you go, Dan. Breakfast cereal, milk, coffee, chicken, wine... All those things are excluded, though. Full-service meals and snacks. On housing, you've got the rent of the primary residence, the owner's equivalent rent, fuel oil, and bedroom furniture. Bedroom furniture is something we typically buy on a monthly basis? No, but it shows you the changing cost over time. <laughs> Men's shirts and sweaters, women's dresses and jewelry, under transportation, we're keeping track of new vehicles, airline fares, gasoline, and motor vehicle insurance. So those are things that are excluded, though, too. Medical care. Well, the gasoline. Medical prescription care. drugs and medical supplies, physician services, eyeglasses, and eye care with hospital services. Recreation. Here's the big one. Yeah, this is what we buy every month. Televisions. I don't do that every month. Toys. That seems to be happening. Pets? Yes. And pet products, sports equipment, I and don't buy admissions. 
Ah, tickets. Yep. Ticket prices. All right. Education and communication. College tuition. That's certainly gone up. Postage. That's gone up. Telephone services. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I actually saving negotiated huh? a few good deals lately on that. Computer Mine software and accessories. Yeah. And then other goods and services that get factored in here. Oh man. Tobacco and smoking products, top of the list. Haircuts. I get those for free. That's great. Ooh, and funeral expenses. <laughs> I'm definitely not dying every month. Yeah. <laughs> Going out and buy a new funeral every month. But just track it month over month. You don't have to die every month. To, to I thought these are things month. that people typically buy every month. Well, they're typically purchased every month. Probably just not, not by the month. same individual, okay. but by people. They're purchased regularly. Okay. okay. Hey, um, I just want to remind you guys to go check out our website. The website centralcoastlending.com. We've got a lot of great articles on there. There's a lot of useful resources, too, if you're trying to do some planning or figure out. Um, maybe you want to learn a little bit about different loan offerings, programs, interest rates, qualification standards, anything like that. Go check us out on the website. It's centralcoastlending.com. You can also fill out a loan application there if you want to get pre-qualified or have us run your credit to give you some advice about how to fix that or any of those needs really um, we're always available to help give us a call the number to all of our offices is one easy convenient easy to remember number it's 543 loan which is 543-5626 you know the the phone number is given out quite a bit in the jingle so you should be able to remember it from there um, that pesky jingle Thanks much for being with us, you guys. We're going to be back next week for another live episode, and um, we'll be around all week to help you with any of your loan needs or anything like that. So don't hesitate to reach out to us if there's anything at all that we could help you with. And additionally, if you're interested, you can give us um, give us thoughts about topics too. That's always a, a good thing to do. Um, if there's any guests or topics, anything you think you'd like to have us bring to the show, We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 543-LOAN, 543-5626, or centralcoastlending.com. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a great week. Happy Easter.